The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you're ready to get your physical, emotional, and spiritual life in order, Join us for the next hour as we meet some interesting people who will share stories of success and wisdom that you can apply to your own life. Now, here's Dr. Connie. Welcome, everybody, back to the Dr. Connie Radio Show House Calls. I hope you've had a good week. I hope you've all gotten your flu shots and you don't get the cold. Uh, I want to share a couple of things this week about what I've been up to as a busy doctor, in addition to seeing everybody who's been sick. I, one of the things I love to do is speaking engagements. Some of them are free. The rest I am paid for because I believe in funding what I do. And uh, we're going to talk about being profitable as well. But, but one of the things I uh, spoke about this week, I spoke to the Association of American Medical Colleges, and it was here in Arizona. They had a uh, professional development seminar with about 150 to 200 of their financial advisors. And these are the unsung heroes who help people who are going to med school find money, find funding, because, you know, you know, you want the degree, but what good is you can't get it till you have the money to fund your medical school education. And they were telling me that on average, when somebody graduates in this country with their MD, they owe about 155000 in loans. And so one of the things we talked about, and I offered my experience of getting through med school uh, and getting through college, is really a combination of the bank of mom and dad. Uh, the other was getting work on your own. And uh, the military has been such a great way to fund my education. I'm forever indebted to them. So and we were talking about that. But one of the things that came up was one of the guests in the audience, and there were a lot of wonderful people, by the way. Uh, Tisa is one of the guests out there, and she continues to tweet with me, and I love it from that group. But one of the things that came up was the sense of entitlement. And uh, and I said, well, tell me about the entitlement. They said, well, we get students who get a who get accepted, and they're like, okay, what are you going to do to fund me? And it was like, wait, hey, you know, you need to fund yourself. You need to go find ways to do this. You know, you're not going to be on welfare. You're going to be a doctor. You need to be creative and find ways to fund your, you know, fund your education and find people who will fund it for you. And so, so the theme of finding your passion and finding ways to fund it uh, was important this week. So after I spoke to the group in Phoenix, I flew out to Seattle this weekend, and I went to the book launch of a dear friend of mine, Maureen Francisco, and she was one of my guests on this show a couple of weeks ago, and she talked about her book, It Takes Moxie, about making it big in America. She came over as a very poor woman from the Philippines, and she grew up in this country, learned the, learned the language, became a reporter, and wrote this amazing book about being successful. And so I went to her book launch on Saturday in Seattle, and she had the people in her book whom she interviewed, and they were all entrepreneurs. And you look at them, they're Asian-American, they all speak fluent English, and they've all gone into business and made over millions of dollars, millions of dollars in their business, highly successful people. 
And again, we brought up the concept of entitlement. And the, the group almost bristled, like, why are we entitled to anything? They said, you know, we're entitled to opportunities so that we can work our butt off so we can be successful in this country. That's what we're entitled to, the opportunity. Otherwise, we don't get a free handout. We don't believe in a handout. We want to make it big. And I just love listening to them because that's what we're about. The other people who were there who I just love from Seattle, uh, my Filipino connection, was Rolly Polintan. Rolly is a good friend of mine. His wife, Violet's adorable. And they work with a great guy named Gideon Epistola. And Gideon is a real estate broker owner in Seattle, in the, in the Seattle area. And they're amazing entrepreneurs. And they tell me stories of women who are nurses who come to the U.S. and they work three to four jobs, three to four jobs so they can pay for their homes. And in their homes, they have three or four families living there because nobody wants a handout. They want to hand up. They want to make it succeed. So I just love that theme about being successful and making it work. And that's what we're going to talk about today. But what I want to do briefly is also do my shout-outs, which I love to do, to thank all you for listening religiously to our show uh, in addition to my Seattle group, Maureen Francisco and David Van Maren, who we're going to invite to come back for our Valentine's Day show, uh, I want to say hello to Margie McCormick and her husband, Mike, who are dear friends of ours in Scottsdale and in Indiana, who fly a wonderful airplane called a TBM. Uh, to all my patients who listen in, to Misha Corbo, who is so wise and witty and is a wonderful mother of four very well-behaved children, I just love talking to her. But today's show, I wanted to do something different. Um, oh, before I move on to that show, i got to do a quick shout-out to author Brad Meltzer. Brad uh, just came out with another one of his books, which will be a bestseller. It's entitled The Fifth Assassin. Brad was in Phoenix yesterday at the Golden, I'm sorry, at the Poison Pen. In fact, I did one of my book signings at the Poison Pen. Barbara Peters is the owner. What a great, great bookstore. And Brad has written so many books, uh, bestsellers, including The Tenth Justice, Dead Even, The First Council, The Millionaires, The Zero Game, The Book of Fate, The Book of Lies, The Inner Circle. And he had his television show, uh, Discovery Channel, where you talked about conspiracy theories. So I love seeing him. He had standing room only. He's, he's a prolific writer and one of the nicest guys. He even wrote a blurb for my book. So if you ever meet a best-selling author, get to be good friends because if you write a book, they will blurb for you where they say, oh, you got to read this book. you know. And so we do each other. Among authors, we blurb each other. So what I want to talk about today is about art and about finding your love, what you love to do. And I was never a big collector of art. I mean, I didn't really know what art was. Uh, I knew that if I saw a painting, I liked it. And it was about a year ago, my husband and I were wandering the streets in La Jolla, California, where we were visiting friends, and we stumbled upon an art gallery, and there was a sculpture we really loved. And so we liked it, and we bought it, and then we bought another one. And then this year, for my for Christmas, I wanted to get my husband a really neat gift because he he's an aviator and i was looking at some sculptures by an, a sculptor named gary price from utah and he does these these beautiful sculptures of children and i found the gallery xanadu gallery in old town and i walked in one day it was a beautiful gallery if you're ever in old town scottsdale arizona you gotta visit xanadu and I walked in, and I saw these three sculptures by Gary Price. And they were three little boys, and each one had an airplane. One had a glider he was holding. 
One was sitting on a paper airplane and in the most whimsical look on his face flying. And the third was of a little bit older boy with a pilot cap and goggles, and he was holding a plane. And I said, I want to buy all three. And, of course, you know, the gallery owner, Jason Horsch, who is here today, uh, was delighted, and his staff were delighted. And we talked about it, and I and Jason uh, gave me a copy of his book, Starving to Successful. So we're going to talk about that as well today. But the other thing I want to share in this in this episode, this today's show, is about artists because, you know, Jason's work is about galleries and selling artwork. And one of the people, I'm, the person I'm going to interview today is a dear friend of mine for the last, goodness, 12 years. We must have met when we were, like, in our teens, right? Uh, Georgia Bunn from Medford, Oregon. And Georgia has a riotous sense of humor. And I'm just going to pick at you. Hopefully people in Oregon will not take offense. Uh, Georgia will occasionally send me a card, and she'll put Georgia Bun from Butt Crack, Oregon. And I go, is there a Butt Crack, Oregon, Georgia? And it's sort of her joke to say, oh, it's it's a little town in Oregon. But Georgia I have known for all these years, and I've known her to be an entrepreneur. She is like the the quintessential businesswoman. Everything is about profit. How do you make a business plan? How do you make it work? And so really for the last 25 years in her family business, uh, Georgia was a big success. But then, uh, about three years ago, Georgia did the leap. It was a totally, absolutely different path in her life. She leaped from faith and paycheck to leave the business world and become a sculptor. And so let me introduce her now, and I want Georgia, Georgia to share her story with us. Georgia Bunn, hello, from Medford, Oregon. Oh, Dr. Connie, thank you. What a gracious introduction. I'm, I'm humbled and uh flattered to be called a friend. That's a, a real compliment. And and um, it's been an interesting journey, and I think that the the similarities that when you talked about in Marine's book, It Takes Moxie, um, are the same things that applied to me in my business world. Um, I worked in a family business for 25 years and, and really enjoyed it, loved the challenges, but always on my breaks would daydream about becoming a sculptor, and, and um, like we all do, have our coffee break dreams, and all of a sudden you look up and 25 years has gone by and my son graduated from college and it dawns on you, it's, you know, it's now or never. It was time to, again, put my money where my mouth was. And so I bought some clay and uh, started sculpting. And I realized that the the same drive and the same determination and the same hours that it takes to run a business is exactly what it takes and was going to take to become a, a successful sculptor. And Dr. Connie, one of the early distinctions I had to make, and, and, and I'm saying this for some of the listeners that are out there, is particularly when it comes to the world of art, I think you have to make a personal commitment. Are you going to become an artist as a hobby? Or are you going to become an artist as a professional? And there's nothing wrong with having a fabulous hobby, but it's a completely different route and a different commitment than become a pro- becoming a professional. And I knew I wanted to be a professional sculptor. And so I, as you mentioned earlier, and that was probably the most difficult part, I, I took the leap of faith and left the steady paycheck and opened up a studio and uh, began sculpting, and I tackled it just like I would any new business. I was in my studio by 8.30 or 9 o'clock in the morning. 
I sculpted until 3 or 3.30 in the afternoon. I didn't come in and take my break and then start doing my research. And I knew when I started that I wanted to focus on figurative realism and, and to be what what probably the layperson would call a Western sculptor. I was a fourth-generation Oregonian, and I love the West, and, and the cowboys and the Indians who are my neighbors and um, was a familiar subject to me, and I felt like I was qualified to give artistic inspiration to their life and their legacy. And Well, you've done amazingly well. I'm going to tell the audience, of, you, you've had many achievements. One of the ones was you were commissioned uh, to do and install a 14-foot bronze memorial monument of Chief Joseph, the leader of the Nez Paris, and mm-hmm. several life-size pieces for the Museum of the Jackson Hole in Wyoming. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned, everybody. I'm going to come back to you, talk a little bit more about what you do, and then I'm going to bring in Jason Horsch from the Xanadu Gallery to give us advice about how we can make you a success, as well as many others out there. So everybody stay tuned to the Dr. Connie House Calls with Georgia Bunn and Jason Horsch from Xanadu Gallery. Stay in by. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Our nation's educational system is undergoing constant change as technology and society are redefining the system as we have known it. On Chalk Talk with Eric Hamilton, we provide parents with the resources they need to understand and become a part of the educational experience for their children. Through engaging guests, news, interactive discussions, and innovative ideas, it's everything that parents should know about school. Tune in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time for Chalk Talk on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. Welcome back to the Dr. Connie House Calls. We are talking about art, uh, becoming a professional artist, selling your artwork, getting into the world, but also about finding your joy. And I was just talking the first segment of the show to my dear friend, Georgia Bunn, who for 40, 30-some years was a successful businesswoman in her family business. And then uh, just about three years ago decided, you know what? I'm going to be a sculptor. And she ordered 25 pounds of clay online and started sculpting. And But it wasn't just Georgia started doing that. I mean, Georgia, you, you also got tutored, didn't you? Didn't you take some classes there? 
Funny I did, and it became apparent to me um, when I was sculpting at home that I had some, like most people, a, a modicum amount or some talent to work with, but I really wanted to bring my work to the professional level. I didn't have time to go back and get a master's degree in art or, or maybe go through a, a lengthy college process, so um, I uh, Googled and came up with um, Scottsdale Artist School, which is there in Arizona, and they're a tremendous facility. They bring in professional artists, professional full-time artists, and they do one-week workshops. And so I immediately signed up for a one-week workshop in uh, Western Sculpting, and it was grueling, and it was rigorous, and it was a real challenge to my work um, and a challenge to everybody's ego in the class, but it really brought my level of sculpting up to um, the professional level and the artistic level that you need to make it your, your full-time job and joy. And so I give that a, a, a lot of credit. Um, I took uh, three one-week classes, sculpted in between. Um, my instructors were harsh but gracious enough as I went home and sculpted. I would uh, take photographs of my work, email it to them. They would critique it, um, often with a heavy hand, which is just what I needed. And, um, and I would tear my work down and do it over and over and over again until I could get the respect and the compliments, not from family, but from an equal professional. It um, had already acquired the success I was hoping to someday get. How many hours do you spend in the studio? Connie, I treat it like any other profession. I'm a, I'm a minimum 50 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing people need to think about if they're going to find a joy, that joy is a wonderful start and it's a wonderful inspiration, but soon to be accomplished in anything, you simply have to put the hours in. And so I'm in my studio every day, six days a week. I sculpt every day. I then come back and do my research. I study other artists' work. And then when I'm not doing that, I'm on the road making sales calls. So it's a, it's a job like any other job, and, it's, um, and it would probably equate to any other form of self-employment, which for mm-hmm. most artists um, do consider themselves independent contractors or self-employed. Tell me why you pick Western art. That's where my heart was. I trail ride. I was born and raised in the West, uh, in Oregon. Uh, the American Indians are our neighbors. I understood them. I understood the, the heart of the West, the soul of the West, and I wanted to recreate that and immortalize that in bronze so that people that came to look at it currently or looked at it in the future could get a sense, a soul, and a feel for life in the West, and and the rugged tapestry that was woven by these people that created the American West. I've seen your work. It's, it's amazing. You sent it to me, and, you know, definitely Thank the you. Chief Joseph the, that was commissioned, the 14-foot bronze. You had that, that incredible cowboy at the Jackson Hole yes. Museum. And what are you working on right now? Connie, there's a number of things. I have three more pieces I'm working on for the um, Jackson Hole Museum. And I'm doing a series of sculptures of uh, wildlife of Yellowstone because so much of the West is the wildlife with the people that lived in it in the past and currently uh, with our national parks. And I'm also doing um, Sitting Bull for uh, a memorial monument for the Sioux Nation. So my hands are busy. Um, 
and uh, I'm I couldn't be happier. Well, amazing. Well, stand by. And what I want to do, hold, put you on hold here. Listen in. I'm going to talk now to to Jason Horsch. And Jason, I was very fortunate to meet at Xanadu Gallery where I went to purchase three pieces. And I was so impressed because when he came to deliver the three pieces, he brought his father, John Horsch, who is a nationally renowned painter. Jason, welcome to the Dr. Connie Show. Oh, Connie, thank you for having me. Tell me about you growing up as a son of a painter and how you got into the business of galleries. Well, as you mentioned, my uh, father is an artist, so art is very much uh, in my blood. Um, I am the eldest of my parents' nine children. And so, um, you know, my father has had to work very hard, uh, just as Georgia was talking about, uh, to to support a large family. Um, But being the eldest of his children... I got to grow up during the starving artist phase of his career. Wow. And uh, I learned at a very early age that starving artist is no mere metaphor, that it's a a very literal thing. Uh, And by the time I was seven or eight years old, I had decided that I wanted to become an insurance salesman because (laughs) uh, this art business just seemed like a pretty sketchy proposition. Here's my father in the studio, um, you know, working long hours. And, and, you know, sometimes success uh, was far and few between. Um, but by the time I was an adolescent, my father was beginning to experience some real success in his career. Um, by this time, he was showing in multiple galleries around the country. He'd begun to develop a real following amongst collectors. Uh, and I was able to begin traveling with him to openings and gallery shows. And I very quickly fell in love with that side of the business. Um, you know, There was just something so exciting about going into a gallery opening and seeing collectors come in to meet my father and acquire his artwork. And and I really um, just kind of became enamored with the gallery side of the business. So when I was 17, uh, I went and applied for and got a job at a large Western art gallery here in Scottsdale. And um, I I basically started working from the ground floor. I was doing exciting things like wrapping artwork up to ship it out and, and installing it for shows. Um, but, but over the next several years, I was able to work my way into a sales position. And once I had sold my first piece of artwork, um, I was really hooked. Uh, there's just something so magical about being there at that moment when a collector finds and falls in love with a piece of artwork and then being able to help them uh, bring that artwork into their lives where it's going to give them joy for, for years and years and, and sometimes for generations. Artwork tends to, to persist in families and become a, a real uh, treasure that, that's passed down from generation to generation. Um, in uh, 1998, I got married, and as young couples often will, my wife Carrie and I started having discussions about what we wanted to do with our lives, where we wanted to go. Uh, my wife graduated with a degree in public relations, um, but she also has a great love for the visual arts. She'd interned in an art museum and uh, doing their press releases and events. And so it just seemed natural to both of us that ultimately we would want to be in the gallery business. Um, and, and so we kind of started putting together a plan. And, and in a way, th- this whole idea of, of being in the gallery business became our full-time passion. Mm-hmm. Um, Carrie is – and someday I hope you'll have the opportunity to meet her. She is a type A personality. And so she had to have a very specific and detailed plan, and uh, we we came up with a 10-year business plan of everything we'd need to do to put this gallery together. And she had it planned down to the month, everything we'd be doing for 10 years to put it together. Um, And and that was great. We did some of the preliminary steps. um, But uh, several years into this plan, we paused, and we said, why would we wait until we're old and in our mid-30s to do this? 
let's uh, let's dive in now and, and just make it happen. And so we um, took that 10-year plan, compressed it into a 10-month plan, uh, went out and signed a lease on the most expensive piece of commercial real estate in the state of Arizona at the time because we thought we better be in the right location, and just really put a lot of effort into to getting our gallery off the ground. Um, and we're finally ready to, to open. We're, we're hanging the last piece of artwork on the wall, uh, placing the last sculpture, and, and we do all this, and it uh, completes on a Monday night that, that we get it all put together. Um, and so, of course, we're just thrilled that the next day we're going to be able to open our business. And it just happens to be the evening of Monday, September 10th, 2001. Oh, oh. Um, and and so, uh, of course, we wake up the next morning and, and suddenly all of our dreams just seem to, to come to a screeching halt. And, and, of course, everyone remembers where they were on, on the morning of September 11th. Um, we felt all the same emotions that, that everyone else did, but we also thought, wow, mm-hmm. you know, what have we just done here? We just made this huge commitment. And you really didn't know at, at that point if there was even going to continue to be an art business. It really seemed like the world had fallen apart on us. Uh, our grand opening day, we had a total of zero people through our front door. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seemed like you know, maybe we had made a, a, a drastic mistake in, in starting this, this gallery. Um, but the next day on Wednesday, we had a client come uh, pull up about mid-morning, uh, walked through our front door. And um, she said, I had to get out of the, the, the house, I had to turn the television off, and I need to do something beautiful. And uh, we showed her around the gallery and, and introduced her to some of the artwork. And she ended up purchasing a piece, uh, a sculpture, uh, that, that she'd just fallen in love with. And we realized that uh, art is, is such an important part of people's lives, um, you know, and, and what artists are doing is, is so valuable to people. Um, that no matter what's going on in the world, there are those people out there who are going to continue to to find and acquire and, and bring that that beauty into their lives. And and you know it's been a real pleasure in the years since then to see our business grow. Um, you know I'm I'm fortunate to be able to work with with uh, my my father and, and show and sell his work, and um, to to work with many other artists from around the world and and help them fulfill their passion and 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 live their dreams of of sharing their artwork and their vision with the world. You know, Jason, I love what you've written. And for the audience out there, if you're artists who really want to figure how to get your work to the hands of the the galleries, Jason has written a book entitled Starving Too Successful, The Fine Artist's Guide to Getting into Galleries and Selling More Art. When did this book come out? Uh, This came out in uh, 2009. And... How do we get hold of this book? Uh, it's available on Amazon.com or uh, through my gallery website, XanaduGallery.com. You know, we're going to talk about that in the, the latter part of this this show because I, wa- I want to touch a, a couple of things that struck me listening to you. You know, you grew up in a family that's your dad's an artist, and you have essentially a family business, don't you? We do. It's yes. like Georgia Bunn. I mean, Georgia, before you became an artist, you had a family business too. I mean... Right. Yes, we did, Connie, and uh, very similar. And uh, Jason, I love hearing. Uh, I was the oldest of five, so you yep. have me be, being the oldest <laughs> of nine. But yeah, the dynamics of a family business and the sacrifices, the hours, the work, the commitment—those are things that that really lend themselves well to uh, the profession of being in an artist or, like Jason, a gallery owner in the art world. Those same skills are are equally beneficial and equally utilized in the world of art. But I love what Jason puts in his book. It's really somebody who grew up in the art world but looks at this from the business 
point of view. And that's really your background. But, you know, you sort of did the opposite. You went from business to art. And Jason went from Martin into business, and you sort of have a lot in common. Also, as a family business, I have my own private practice. My son, Andrew, uh, is my front desk manager, so it's very much family involved with that. But I want everybody to stay tuned. We've got more of the show uh, coming up, uh, the Dr. Connie radio show and uh, house calls. And we're talking today with Jason Horsch of Xanadu Gallery in Old Town and Georgia Bunn, who is an incredible Western artist. Uh, She's in... Oregon right now, and we're going to come back to you shortly, Oregon, uh, shortly to you, Georgia, because I want them to hear about how to reach you and how to get some of your artwork, but also go back to Jason about how someone can you make it big in this type of business. So stay tuned to the Dr. Connie House Calls. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Family caregivers face some tough challenges every day in caring for a partner, parent, child, sibling, friend, neighbor, or even coworker. You are there to provide the care that these people need after everyone else has gone home. Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley will provide you with a social networking experience. You'll hear from experts and others who are experiencing the same things. And together, you will promote a common cause. Tune in to Family Caregivers Unite twice every week, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety and on the Voice America Empowerment Channel every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Are you ready for real change in your life? Deep down inside you is a magnificent being just looking to break free. Tune in to Manifesting Abundance with Deborah Loran and Jim Del Vecchio. Most people need to make some minor adjustments in attitude and behavior to achieve alignment with their inner being. Jim and Deborah will help outline these changes and give you the steps you need to create some major improvements in your life. Listen for Manifesting Abundance Thursdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. Welcome back to the Dr. Connie House Calls, and we're interviewing Georgia Bunn from Medford, Oregon, who is a an aspiring or actually accomplished artist, but she wants to be bigger into the field. And we're interviewing Jason Horsch from the Xanadu Gallery, who wrote the book Starving to Successful. You can get your copy of Jason's book on Amazon.com. For Georgia Bunn, if you're interested in her artwork, please log on to http dot slash slash www.georgiabunn, and that's G-E-O-R-G-I-A, B-U-N-N studios, all one word, dot com. You'll look at her bronzes and you'll see how uh, they look and how they appeal to you. It's all very beautiful work that you'll see. Um, if you want to contact her directly for consultation, she's given her number f- uh, 541 
3265111 or email her at georgia at georgiabunnstudios.com. We're going to have that on our website. But we're going back and forth here with Georgia and Jason. And part of it is the commitment aspect. And what struck me reading Jason's book about how do you go from a starving artist to somebody who is profitable. And it's really the difference between are you, are you a hobbyist or are you a true professional. And I love how he puts the big difference here is a four-letter word that a lot of people don't want. And it's work. It's W-O-R-K. And a lot of it, work, work, work. But the other thing, Jason, you talk about is marketing. You know, you, you know you've got the artist like Georgia who's, who's producing a lot of uh, pieces of sculpture. How many do you have to produce in a year? Can you talk about that? Well, that can uh, vary a little bit depending on the artist's medium and uh, the scale and scope of the work that they're doing. Um, you, you know, uh, there are some artists who may only produce, you know, a dozen pieces per year. Um, artists like my father, who's a painter and can work more quickly, he's producing over 100 pieces per year. Uh, the important thing is not so much the exact number, but just that you have a, a, a real kind of idea in your mind of how much you're going to be producing and that you're consistent about being in the studio and working. Um, the art business, just like any other business, is a numbers game. You've got to have enough work out there in enough venues to have enough eyeballs on the work to be able to to reach those uh, buyers who are going to be interested in and, and able to, to purchase your artwork. So, um, you know, you want to find ways that you can become more efficient in what you're doing and, and maximize the time that you have to spend in the studio to produce as, as much good quality work as you possibly can. So now, let's, let's say for a sculptor, how many pieces do you have to have per year to put out? Um, you know, many of the sculptors that I work with are, are producing in the neighborhood of uh, 15 to 20 uh, original editions per year. Um, and, you know, that's that's an artist who's pretty well established. And, and, of course, sculptors have another challenge, and that is that there's just such a huge investment involved in even getting a, a piece cast. A, a painter throws some paint on and they're ready to go. Mm-hmm. The, the sculptor has so much more work involved. Um, in, in terms of creating molds and having the pieces cast in the foundry. Um, but, but having, you know, several major pieces per year and then some smaller works, if you, if you had a, a dozen to, to 20 pieces per year, you, you should have a good enough inventory after several years to be able to go out and build good relationships with galleries. So how do they find galleries? Um, you know, uh, pretty much gallery, you throw a rock and you're going to hit a gallery somewhere. They're all over the country. Um, you know, there are galleries in almost every city and town. Now, of course, they're uh, to varying sizes, and, and some are very well-established and well-followed. Others are, are just beginning. Um, and, and my encouragement to artists is to basically begin with, with markets that are convenient to you. So I would encourage an artist to look at galleries that are within an easy day's drive of their studio. That would be a good place to start. Um, because it's convenient, you can become an expert at everything that's going on in, in those galleries. Join their mailing lists, go to gallery openings, uh, network with the other artists who are showing in those galleries so that you get a sense of what it's like to work with the gallery. Maybe they can make an introduction for you. Um, and, and then uh, just visit lots of galleries. I am an advocate of, of the good old-fashioned cold call. I think there's nothing like a personal relationship. Um, so I encourage artists to get out there and when they're, they're traveling, visit the galleries and try and meet the, the directors or the owners of those galleries. And, um, you know, often uh, my first introduction to an artist is them walking through my door and we'll strike up a conversation and the, the artist might show me their work. And, and that's the beginning of a, a long and successful relationship. When you meet an artist for the first time, what kind of things make points with you? 
Um, you know, I think that uh, th- there's a lot to be said for the first impression. I want a, an impression that this person is going to be someone who's going to be professional and easy to work with. So appearance is a big one. Um, you know, you never get a, a second chance, as they mm-hmm. say. So you want to uh, present yourself a, as professionally as you can. Um, also, you want to be easy to to communicate with, um, you know, I, I think sometimes that artists get very nervous when they're ta- coming into a gallery and meeting a gallery owner. Um, but I, I think it would help to remember that that gallery wouldn't be in business were it not for the artists that they were working with. And I never know when the next artist that walks through my front door might become my my big star, my, my next big seller. And so, um, yes, there are some gallery owners out there and directors who, uh, you know, wake up in the morning and think that they're going to have an artist for breakfast. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, sometimes they can be a little bit rude and, and chase you out of the gallery. But those are in the minority. Most gallery owners are very personable. And, and um, if you can, can strike up a conversation and show them your work, that's going to be your best shot at, at building a long-term relationship. Georgia, how did people find you to commission Chief Joseph and for the Jackson Hole Museum? How did they hear about you? Well, Connie, because I started, you know, pretty late in the game becoming an artist, um, typically what an artist can do is build a portfolio. And, of course, in our work world, we would call that building a resume. So you need to build a portfolio and build a platform to work from, and often that's done through um, a variety of shows that you enter, and hopefully you get awards and you get accolades for that, and you work to build this portfolio. I didn't have that luxury. I the first 25 years that many artists are building portfolios, I was working in private business. So I actually went out and made my own sales calls. Um, I sculpted what I thought were um, my best pieces, pieces that I thought had visual interest, and I simply went door to door. Um, that's not the easiest way to do it. That's probably the hardest way to do it. Um, it certainly doesn't replace a gallery, but it's what was available to me. And so I would often visit my museum pieces by visiting their architects. And I would say, you know, I don't have a 25-year portfolio, but I brought my work with me, and we call those maquettes. They'll be smaller versions or samples in the private world business. And I would say, you know, it's going to be an easy decision. It's a three-minute decision. You'll either look at my work and you'll like it or you won't. And that's one thing as an artist, boy, you need to develop uh, a pretty tough skin uh, to keep going and keep smiling. And and one thing Jason said, it is a numbers game. You know, you may have to make make or or meet 100 potential buyers before you make a sale, and you need to keep going forward and keep working, and eventually you will come across a buyer. And that's exactly what happened to me. I I went out on the road, and uh, about nine months later, I got a call back, um, and there was a, a, from an architect, there was a competition for some pieces at a museum, and I submitted my work, and they selected me. So, but there were a tremendous amount of hours that went in to get that one call back. Jason, for what other ways do you, you market? You know, if you wanted to, is it, um, do you do uh, magazines? Do you Sure, yes. Um, all of the above. Um, you know, for the, the art business, the, some of the, the major media outlets, you know, television, radio, are not going to be as effective. But uh, there are a lot of great publications out there um, that are directed to art collectors. Those are, those are a good path, and many artists uh, utilize those to reach their, their bu- uh, eventual buyers. Um, the Internet is becoming a, a huge resource for marketing artists' work. And, and 
of course, as a gallery owner, we, we put a lot of effort and time into making sure our website is very accessible, um, that, you know, it has a wide variety of work. But I also see a lot of artists now who are utilizing their own websites to reach potential buyers. And, and I think that's very exciting. It, it gives an artist an opportunity. Um, you know, as Georgia said, sometimes you, you re- it can take a lot of work and a lot of time to, to get out there and get into galleries. But if, if a collector can discover you at a show or some other kind of event and then go to your website, um, th- that can be a great resource for them to, to, to find your work. And, and that helps build your resume as an artist as well. So it's kind of shortcutted the process for many artists to be able to do that. Jason, do you have followers? Do you have uh, clientele who are faithful to your gallery? Oh, we do. Uh, in fact, uh, a majority of the sales that we make in any given year are going to be made to people who've bought from us in the past. Um, and I would say that's true of many artists as well, that uh, buyers tend to become collectors. They find something that they love or an artist that they you know make a connection with and um, become very faithful to them. And uh, as a gallery, we, of course, cultivate that and try and give uh, collectors an opportunity to meet the artists at openings um, or will often take artists out to the client's home to see the artwork uh, installed. And it's just a uh, really, as with most business, this is a business about relationships. And so we really work to foster those those relationships. I was really impressed that when I bought the three pieces from your gallery by Gary Price, you and your father John Horsch, the artist, came to my doorstep and delivered it. And the very fact that you said, well, when you move again this summer into your new home, call us. We're going to move the, you know, the uh, Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, the more service you can offer, the, the, the better that relationship is going to be over time. Georgia, do you have, have you started your following of collectors yet? Well, Connie, it's kind of interesting. I've taken a little different route, um, again, because I kind of started late in the game. And I've been focusing on life-size pieces and monuments. And um, yeah. I find that kind of interesting. The um, There's not a lot of women that are monument builders. Um, it's a different market share than maybe a collector. But, but the same principles that Jason's talking about are absolutely true. It's about developing that relationship, uh, whether it's with a museum director, um, a city council, um, an architectural firm that specializes in placing monuments. It's working. It's delivering your work in a timely manner so they can depend on you. It's building those recommendations and building that reliability. And that's something that I think maybe people that are novices to the art world, having met artists, they think, oh, well, it's just all loose and it's a little flaky and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, appointment times are important and really just the opposite is true. I let my clients know. I give them a delivery date. I work with a foundry. We do um, a, a monument. I do it from conception to installation, and um, we deliver on time, and we deliver what we've promised. So, all again, all of those same business practices um, that Jason has to do in a gallery, I have to do on my own as I'm working to develop my clientele. Well, I'm impressed. It's the art of business and the business of art. So, Everyone stay tuned. We have some minutes left here. Uh, We've got some time left in the Dr. Connie house calls. Uh, We have Georgia Bunn, who is a sculptor from Medford, Oregon, and Jason Horsch from Xanadu Gallery Old Town. Stay tuned for more. We're on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. Want the inside scoop about what's going on in the social networks of art and entertainment? 
Tune in to Star Power Hour, brought to you by 4talent.com. We'll talk to the top professionals in the entertainment industry and find out what they're working on and what's next. Your host is James Barber, who has his finger on the pulse of the arts and entertainment world. Star Power Hour, brought to you by 4talent.com, live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. When you make decisions, do you ever find yourself in doubt? Are you trying to figure out what's right with you? Are you ready to truly change your life? Listen for the Access Consciousness Radio Show with the founders of Access Consciousness, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane Here. Consciousness is all about including everything and judging nothing. Our program will help you break free from your personal limitations and enhance positive change in all areas of your life. Tune in to Access Consciousness, Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. Welcome back to the Dr. Connie House Calls. I want all of you out there to buy some artwork. Uh, art brings you joy. It's very emotional. You'll see something. It'll remind you. And I look at my sculptures, and they make me smile, and they remind me of good things in life, and they're beautiful. It's very personal. Sometimes I'll see some paintings. I'll go, what were they thinking? So it's definitely very personal. I mean, when you look at my artwork, you can figure what it is. You don't have to you know, say, what is that? It's not abstract. But we are so fortunate to have the owner of a gallery uh, with over 17 years in the business, Jason Horge from Xanadu Gallery, whose father, John Horge, is a an accomplished painter. And we have Georgia Bunn, who's starting off in the business, hopes to make it big. And we're, with a lot of the advice that Jason's giving her, I think it's going to be a big help. But, Jason, you know, we talked about your father being an artist and, you know, essentially working for you in your gallery. How does that work out? Can you ever fire your dad? You know, um, it, it's difficult. It, it's interesting. It really changes the dynamic um, when when suddenly a, a son is writing a father a, a check. But uh, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. And, you know, there are certainly challenges with a, any family-run business. You know, th- there may be some difficulties in communication. And, and sometimes um, you, when you don't see eye to eye, it mm. uh, creates challenges. But there's also just huge benefits. And, and what a, a pleasure it is to be able to spend time with the people that you love. Uh, my father, uh, works in the gallery, and, and uh, uh, my mother is my gallery director. And so really, uh, you know, every day I get to spend time with, with those people. What artwork do you like personally? You know, I have I have a pretty broad uh, love when it comes to art. I, I wouldn't say that I have one particular genre that I love. I love a lot of Western art. I love abstract and contemporary. I'm a great fan of the abstract expressionists um, from, you know, the 1950s and 1960s, so Jackson Pollock and, and de Kooning. Um, I, I just really, I, I, there's very little art that I don't love. I love seeing people's passion and vision. I love uh, seeing people who come up with a new vision and a new way to look at the world. Georgia, what kind of art do you love? Separate from your, the ones you make, what is it separate from you make? Are there, are there certain artists you love? 
Well, I'll tell you, I've always been drawn to sculpture, and, and I study sculpture now, and, and I love the Rodins, I love the Berninis, I've always been attracted to sculpture, and and not just figurative realism. Sculpture takes many forms, um, there's abstract, there's impressionistic sculpture, and I think they all have a story to tell, and the thing I would encourage people to do is, if there is a particular art form you're drawn to, to try to, and you, you are passionate about to try that first because if you're passionate about it, that's going to be reflected in your finished product and in your art, and there's going to be a buyer that can read that and feel that in your art. Jason, how old is your oldest artist that you work with? Oh, boy, they probably wouldn't want me to tell you. but <laughs> Don't uh, give me their name. Just give me a... I, I range, um, my oldest artist is probably in the mid-70s, mm. and youngest is in the early 20s. Mm-hmm. So there's a real range. I once gave a, a show to an artist. It was his very first gallery opening. He was 82 years old at the time we had the opening. What time did... How old was he when he started? Um, real, well, he painted his, his entire life, but, um, you know, as, as many people do, he, he decided that he needed to make ends meet and, mm-hmm. and raise a family and those kind of things. And so um, really, when I gave him the show, he'd only been painting full time for about three years. Wow. Well, you know, you're never, I think you're never too old. Oh, I mean, absolutely. You've got the talent. And I think in George's case, you know, the dedication, how many hours you poured into your life to do this, that it, it gives me hope that, you know, when people say, I'm just going to be like a doctor the rest of my life or a business person, you don't have to. You could do it up to a point and do something totally different. I have another patient. Uh, I actually have a patient of mine who was in her midlife crisis. She'd been a nurse for many years and got her through some therapy, and she decided to paint. And that's what she does. She doesn't exhibit it, but it's just out of her sheer joy of, of being a painter. Of, of um, Tell me what surprises you the most, Jason, about what your business does. Um, oh boy, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I, I think probably the, the, the one of the biggest surprises is just, again, coming back to that concept of how much work it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, as we've talked about, you may love what you're doing, but at the same time, you've really got to put the hours behind it to, to make it all come together. And, um, you know, putting together shows for artists and, and organizing catalogs and getting everything put together, it takes a tremendous amount of, of uh, coordination and effort. And I think that, uh, yes, I'm a gallery owner uh, second, but but first of all, I'm a business person and it just takes a, a lot of work to, to put it all together. But if you love what you're doing, that work is pleasurable. And, and I really find that, uh, you know, I wake up in the morning and I'm just excited to get into the gallery and, and see what new adventure awaits me that day. Well, you can tell when you walk in your gallery, it's such a good feeling. Everyone's happy. Georgia, when you totally changed gears to do this, mm-hmm. what surprised you? helpful people were if once they saw I was serious and I was dedicated and I was willing to put the hours in. Art in the art world is, um, there's very, in some respects, very little discrimination because if you are talented and you put the hours in, people will buy your work. And they don't care about your age. They don't care how tall you are. They don't care about your ethnic orientation. If Mm. you have work that moves people and there's a buyer, you're going to find that success. And um, I I was pleasantly surprised by that. The other thing that was um, a, a warm surprise was if... Again, you show that professional sincerity and that determination. There are other artists that will be willing to help you. And the more successful they are, 
the more help they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had other successful artists that have just been over backwards to tutor me, uh, to answer my questions, to help me uh, with the first monument that I had to put up. That was a little intimidating. Um, and so I called other monument builders, and and they just been over backwards to help me. Um, the artist community for other successful artists um, is, is a warm community. I think you can sense that with when you're talking to Jason. Um, they're good people. Yeah. What do you dream? What's your dream for your future in art? For me? Mm-hmm. To be a monument builder. Mm-hmm. Because so few women do that. Um, it's almost a lost art. There aren't many monuments placed. Um, one of the quotes that I love, and it brings art to people, and it tells a story. It's a way to tell history. When you look at all the tourists that go to New York, um, Three percent of the tourists go to the Met. Ninety-eight percent see the Statue of Liberty. Oh gosh! That's so it's true. a way to bring art and the story and the history out to people that maybe wouldn't walk into a museum. So I believe everybody has a monument in them. I think there's somebody that people want to make a monument to or of, and I found that work um, very rewarding. Jason, how about you for your gallery? What what is your dream? Uh, you know, I, I think I can kind of second that that emotion is that I just I, I really enjoy the process of helping people fulfill their own dreams, um, be it the artists themselves, um, helping them find a following for their work or collectors, helping them bring beauty in, into their lives. And so it's a very rewarding uh, business, you know. Uh, we say it's a business like any other, but I can't think of any other business that brings so much joy and pleasure into people's lives as, as the art business does. Would Dr. You... Connie, one of the things I, I would like to encourage people when they look at their own lives, and even if they can't become the artist themselves, to realize that even within our families, art becomes our heirlooms. Yes. And art yes. is what? Ultimately, we pass down to our children and grandchildren, and a collection can be started with a small, simple purchase, um, and with a good gallery owner like Jason, um, they want to have a, a lifetime rapport where well, they will work with a buyer and with that artist, and it's you don't have to be a Rockefeller to have an art collection. You don't have to be a Rockefeller to commission a monument or commission a bronze. It's accessible to people, and so you can you can fulfill a dream of being in the art world without being the artist. You can find a good, dedicated gallery owner, and, and they like to develop a client and let them know what your budget is and just make that first purchase, and it can become a passion for a lifetime. Yeah, and I'll second that. I mean, it, it's... Um it's just such a, a wonderful process, and, and art is very much about emotions. And, and as you mentioned, Georgia, if you're doing what you're passionate about, that that work is going to speak to those buyers yeah. and, and touch their emotions. And um, you know what a what a wonderful thing it is to be able to have that kind of communication with another human being, to be able to really speak soul to soul almost. You do. You co- you connect with them, and you share the beauty of your art. And out there, listeners, please do look at uh, Georgia Bunn's work. Uh, you, again, if you're looking at what she she does, uh, her information will be on her website, and it's at www.georgiabunnstudios.com. Please look at that. And also for Jason Horge's uh, gallery, 
Uh, his organization is Xanadu Galleries, and it's spelled X-A-N-A-D-U. Tell us the story, how you came up with the name Xanadu. I, I wish I had a great story <laughs> there. We, uh, we were looking for a name, and uh, my mother-in-law happened to be driving down the road one day, and a car pulled in front of her and had the license plate Xanadu. And we thought, hey, that's kind of a cool name, and uh, like the X. And, and the more we, we discovered about the story of Xanadu, the more it seemed appropriate for a gallery. Well, it's a beautiful name. So uh, for Xanadu Galleries, their website is www.xanadugallery, and it's X-A-N-A-D-U, gallery, G-A-L-L-E-R-Y.com. They're located on Main Street in Scottsdale, or considered Old Town, where all the galleries are, and they have the stunning gallery there. And for his book, if you're an artist out there and you don't want to be starving, you want to be successful, go on to Amazon.com, and the, the title of Jason bu- Jason's book is Starving to Successful. So for all you artists out there and for collectors of art and people who appreciate it, I wanted to show you Georgia Bunn's beautiful story of how she went from a successful businesswoman to an artist and hopefully a successful artist who found passion and purpose in what she does and also the story of Jason forming his gallery, living in the world of art and now making uh, the connection of business and art together so we can get artwork into our hands. So thank you all for this show today and all you uh, budding artists and collectors Please uh, look at the artwork of uh, Georgia Bunn and the gallery, Xanadu Gallery in, uh, in, in Old Town. Blessings to all, and tune in next week to the Dr. Connie House Calls. Thank you again for joining us this week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. We'll be back next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a terrific week. Have a terrific week.